With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It is going to be fun. There's Define going to be fun. Mackey and Judd. It's not always going to be easy. It could cause plenty of angst. On 1500 ESPN. All right, we're just... I'm just trying just, to get up to speed on Trying to help Judd become a degenerate during the break it's here. It's baseball Let's, betting. I don't get it completely. Uh, it, Doug Kazarian from ESPN is, uh, I would say, the foremost gambling authority at ESPN. Doug... We hung out with you on Radio Row here in the Twin Cities uh, during Super Bowl week, so good to have you on the show again. And I think we're all pretty excited as sports fans and just us in the industry that at some point, Minnesota might not be first in line, but Minnesota is somewhere, you know, probably top half of the pack. We're going to have a lot more open access to sports betting. So what was your initial reaction when you saw the news from a couple days ago? And, uh, and what are your hopes for like the next five years across the United States? It was relief, right? It was relief that it went, because we were cautiously optimistic. So it just had to go through, which was nice. Um, and once it went through, it's like, all right, now it's praise the Lord, because <laughs> finally, finally, we're, we're removing the stigma of sports betting. And that's been the most annoying thing over the years, is that it's this shady backroom thing. It's like, well, we don't talk about alcohol that way. We have commercials celebrating how great it is. We don't talk about a lot of other stuff. I mean, basically what people need to realize is if you lose a $50 bet, you didn't lose money and waste money. You spent it on an experience, much like if you spend money going to the movies or spend money going to a game, spend money on buying a nice bottle of wine. It is an experience you're paying for that's not like tangible, like buying a pair of jeans where you actually have something in your hand. <laughs> right. Hey, Doug, how, how quickly do you now expect this to uh, to begin to move into markets and and what what's your thought process on how uh, pro sports leagues are going to embrace this or not? Well, a couple things on that. So it's important for the listeners to recognize that Monday's ruling, all it did was remove a federal ban. So the federal ban was mo- removed, and now every state can proceed forward as a state and whatever their appetite is as a state with state law. So now Minnesota has the option to pass legislation to allow sports betting and they can design their bill any which way they can do it over the counter they can do it app now it's 2018 so it's probably gonna be all internet and app driven so if you can have an app that you go deposit money to and when your gps on your phone is in the in the state of minnesota you can bet if you travel even though you live in minnesota and you open your account in minnesota but if you go to california for a work trip you cannot bet on your phone when you're there it's very regulated like that at least that's what's projected now, what the leagues do, what's funny about all this, is the leagues have zero leverage. They are like, well, you're using our products. Like, who cares? The sports betting industry only needs a television and a box score. 
They don't need permission from the leagues. So the ask and uh, demand of 1% integrity fee was nonsense. Not only is the label integrity fee nonsense, because it suggests that they need more integrity in the games of basketball and there's funny business going on. There's no funny business going on whatsoever in current sports betting currently because authorities in Nevada want fair play. They don't want sketchiness going on, so they regulate it. Nothing is wrong. So the leagues can cooperate if the sports books industry wants to cooperate and compromise. Right now in Nevada, there's something called a federal excise tax, which is 0.25%. And what happens is they'll give a, give a slice of the pie. In return, maybe the leagues will give them advertising space, right? Or maybe even advertising in the arena on the Jumbotron or maybe even on the jerseys of players as we evolve in the next five years. So there's a lot to be said and figured out, but the leagues want to get on board because they can't stop it if they don't. Yeah, that's so that, that's a really interesting point you just brought up. First of all, on the integrity front, I love how the NFL in their carefully crafted two-paragraph statement used the word integrity three times in the first two sentences. Uh, and then we had, we had the Athletic Directors Association and the NCAA say that 80% of us do not approve of this, and we're worried about point shaving and this and that, like ignoring a tens of billions of dollars industry that already exists. It just exists underground. So if you were worried about point shaving yesterday, uh, it's it's no different than it would be today or tomorrow. In fact, it's probably going to be harder if everything has spotlight shined on it, don't you think? Of course. And for them to do that, they're either lying or they're either myopic. Either way, it's stupid. And the bottom line is there are going to be no point shaving from players or head coaches at the professional level. There just isn't. And to your point, the Supreme Court didn't all of a sudden just create a vice. It already exists. And depending on what you read and who you think, it's as much as $400 billion, be as in boy, illegal money bet in the United States per year, whether it's offshore books or local bookies. So that money is already being bet. It's already being done. I mean, we may not see any difference in, in revenue, right? Like, what if, like, New Jersey opens its doors and no one goes to bet? Everyone's like, ah, I'm going I'm to keep betting with my bookie, right? Like, like there could be, I mean, there, there should be some substitution effect. There should be some additional with people who don't want to do it illegally. But, hey, recreationally, uh, if it's legal, why not? Um, but for them to say that it's, it's going to be all hell breaking loose is just, it's just unfair and stupid. Yeah. Doug Kazarian from ESPN is with us here on Mackie and Judd. So back to your point about permission and the league's, making these grandstanding statements. Can you expand a little bit more on if the, let's say, let's take the NFL for instance, or the NBA. I mean, Adam Silver has been very frontal about wanting to just blow the lid off all of this and, and just bring it out into the open. What does the partnership look like between sports leagues and potential, let's say online state by state online uh, gambling entities, or just even if it's brick and mortar, is there any way where the NFL would get a percentage of action? What would those relationships look like? Well, that's the whole thing. That's what Adam Silver wanted to get ahead of. He wanted a 1% fee. Now, what's probably more uh, realistic is 0.25%, and I can see the NFL getting on board with that in exchange for what the advertising we just discussed. Yeah. So it, it, it all depends on what they want to negotiate, what they want to do. I mean, that's fine. Every league's allowed to do it. But I just think they're scared. the scare tactic of saying that there's going to be point shaving is just nonsense. And Yes. You know, maybe we'll talk a little bit about it in broadcasts and things like that, but I think it's going to take on the form of fantasy, right? Like mm-hmm. five years ago, not everyone knew what a PPR league is. Now it's part of our vernacular. So in due time, we'll know a little bit about buying the half point for the Vikings game. But it's not like the announcers are going to be talking about the point spread the entire game. 
they're going to broadcast the game, and they might mention a fantasy thing here and there at the end, or maybe if it applies to some sort of like crazy ending, but they're going to broadcast the game. But let's not forget, like, college basketball, the postseason conference tournaments are in Vegas. The Pac-12 there, the Mountain West there, West Coast is there. There's nothing going on that's crazy. The hypocrisy just kills me, though, especially colleges, too, right? I mean, colleges, college, which is professional sports. It's Division One college sports is professional sports. And when they talk about, you know, we can't have this and can't have that, that's a bunch of BS. Now, now the one thing I'm curious to get your thoughts on, how much work do you think and how prepared do you think the National Football League folks are for this? Because on the surface, they're trying to make it like arm's length, arm's length, we can't have this. But we know for a fact that 15 years ago, they basically declared fantasy football, Doug, to be the devil until they embraced it. So behind the scenes, how prepared do you think the football folks are for this? Well, but a lot of these leagues are run by old farts who have no clue and hate change and just want to box out on their revenue. And they all, and I mean, if they're so worried about the the fan, how about you not do the cash grab of relocation fees and get these hundreds of million dollars and 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 burn fan bases? How about you like focus on that, like the well being of St. Louis residents or yeah. Oakland residents who are kids growing up, developing an emotional connection to a team, and you pick them up and move. Look, I went to high school with a guy who orchestrated the moves with the Rams. Like I'm. And I'm from L.A. and I'm a Raider fan, and I love that they're going to Vegas, which is like my second home. I'm not like anti those guys, my friends, you know, and, and my, my team doing what's good. But, like, let's face it. When you relocate a team, that does a lot of pain for your fan base and, and those people in the city. How are the Sonics fans feeling right now? Seeing, like, OKC, you know, it's just like it's not cool. So why don't you worry about that and not creating some sort of scare tactic for your fan bases? And they will eventually cave because they're all about money. All these owners are, and all their franchises are going up. I agree with what Mark Cuban said, that because of the betting and because of the financial opportunities that lie ahead or lay ahead for these teams, these, these teams are going to double in value almost. The National Football League, Doug, is going to Vegas. That's my favorite part of this entire thing, which is probably, or which is, very smart. But then you can't turn around and say, but what they do, that, we, we can't have that. That's, that's where the, the hypocrisy among these people is just so enormous. That's why I said it's either yep. myopic or they're lying. Because either way, it's stupid. Like the Golden Knights, the people are betting in the stands during between periods. When we send the NFL over to London, they're betting at Wembley Stadium. So to have such a negative take on this and fear, it's just incredibly hypocritical, like you said. Yeah. Uh, Last thing for you here, Doug Kazarian. I don't know. This is a little bit selfish because I'm a big poker guy going back the last 10 or 15 years. It feels like now that the floodgates are starting to open up for, for sports betting, online poker was shut down eight or nine years ago, and it's it's barely been addressed in this country I would think there's a path there. Do you have any insight into online poker's chances, or is that sort of uh, is that out of your jurisdiction? Uh, it's a little out of my jurisdiction, but I imagine there'll be some people paying attention yeah. if they're removing federal bans on stuff because a lot of the issues was the um, sort of the money offshore and things like that. How do you track it? Blah blah blah. But I think there'll be some uh, some uh, relaxing of the rules there. Yeah. Like in general, if there's billions of dollars that that you could potentially regulate and tax, just regulate and tax it. So that's that's another thing too with uh with the gambling stigma. Doug, great stuff. Thank you so much and uh 
Happy legalization of sports betting week. Thanks, Doug. <laughs> it's our independence day. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Bye. Appreciate it, man. Uh, let's come back. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500 if anyone wants to talk gambling with us. And I would love to hear a compelling case why it's bad. Like we we got a uh, email after the show on Tuesday saying, well, if you you know if if you are going to le- legalize this, where do you stop with heroin? And hey, apply common sense here. Like I can't. I, if you apply common sense, so if you just say I think to you yourself, should be able to do heroin and bet the Vegas right, Golden Knights game what, you know, from your couch, what's going to be productive and what's not? I'm doing heroin right now. <laughs> you get in a lot of trouble for that. <laughs> But I know I just want to. I just want to know. I would love to hear a compelling case about this. Is this is this has now gone too far? Like this is among the all the things that we've done. This has gone too far. Six five one six four six eight two five five and Dan Hayes on the Twins in about fifteen or twenty minutes. Mackie and Judd now continue. Just press play on fifteen hundred ESPN. We did get an email. You alluded to it at the end of our show yesterday. I'm just going to read it because. There are people who I'm sure aren't happy that sports betting is going to be much more widespread in this country, maybe even Minnesota in the next year or two. There's a bill, and there are legislators that are trying to pass the legalization of sports betting in Minnesota now that they're able to. And we got an email yesterday from Brian. And if you have thoughts, 651-646-8255. Phones uh, are open for this segment, 877-615-1500. Uh, He says, while a laissez-faire attitude toward gambling might be philosophically sound, there is a practically human toll that must also be weighed in this argument. I hear, well, if the government allows other vices, why not allow this? We allow drinking. Why not allow gambling? This is not a good argument. Continuing this argument, why not allow for heroin to be legalized? Why not cocaine? Well, there's. let me stop right there. There's actually a lot of people, millions and millions of people that think it's just a, we're just, we're literally just like, they're spending all this money, the war on drugs spending for our 30 years, right? Doing it, yes. And uh, prisons are crowded, etc. And Brian continues, uh, people and families will be absolutely ruined if we keep down this path. Yes, they are now, but you legalize this and make it easily accessible, and what will happen? Will there be more or fewer people negatively affected? The human and financial toll is very real. Addicts cannot help themselves. Well, bettors will eventually find ways to bet, introducing novices and making sports betting readily available will also multiply the number of people in financial ruin as a result of their addiction. I don't even like fully disagree with his premise. Like I I would I would definitely disagree with some things, but I think the question is whose responsibility is it to make sure that you don't get addicted to sports betting? Is that the government's responsibility or is that your responsibility? I'm also gonna, and I get that this might not even be the right platform or show to have that debate long form, I'm, but 651-646-825. I want to go down a very, very dicey path right now. Oh, God. Dave, are you prepared for this? All right. I'm going to go down. You want him to hit the dump button? Or no, what? no, no, no. I'm just saying I, this is going to be <laughs> this? this is going to be a very dicey path, but I think it's worth exploring. Dave, We're are you prepared for, for Judd to get fired and you have to... I'm prepared for you to get mess. fired. Judd doesn't get fired. <laughs> this is going to be an upper echelon type of thought process here. They'll follow me. There's one key word here. Regulation. Regulation. Cocaine and heroin. I might be able to try to regulate those, but I don't know that I can. Gambling is something that has been taking place with bookies and under the table for how long? It's offshore right now. The government 
basically here is going to have the ability and the leagues to a certain degree. Now, as as Kazarian said, the leagues the leagues are a bit haughty probably in their thinking. But to a certain degree, the leagues are going to have a say as well. And so what I am introducing is something to society that can that can positively raise funds for my city or township or county or state. And I can regulate something that is already going on, and I can do it in a reasonable manner. All hell is not going to break loose here, okay? So when we're talking about, and and by the way, we've already gone down this, this path with uh, pull tabs with uh, casinos, with things that are are not sports gambling, but are definitely gambling. Sure. All I'm doing here is an add-on that is actually going to make my state and my my city and my county more money, and I can regulate it. So if I can do that, and and I can have a pretty good idea of, of how it's going to play out, do I really then have to take a step back and say, but the human toll? Because the question becomes then, where, where do you draw that that line? Then then do you say, okay, but the human toll on gambling, you know what, we can't do that. Well, then we probably shouldn't have pull tabs. Well, then we probably shouldn't have casinos or slot machines. Lotteries. Well, yeah. then we probably shouldn't be drinking as much as we are. So I this, this is going to sound really distant and really cold, but if I can make a lot of money to benefit people while also having some people that certainly are hurt by it, I'm going to make the money. Yes, um, and I and I would add, if you think about this, is where the stigma of gambling, like there's a, Doug Kazarian's 100 percent right. This stigma that it's like backroom, smoky, shady characters and people betting their trust funds and 401ks, and uh, I mean that's such a small percentage of the market of potential sports bettors. If you take gambling out of that perception and put it where it really belongs. 98% of the time, which is entertainment. It's just like an enhancement on your entertainment dollar, right? So if gambling is now part of your entertainment budget, let's say restaurants, going out to eat is part of, like, you need food, obviously, but instead of spending money on groceries, maybe you substitute some of that and you go out to eat three times a week in today's age. You go out to eat three times a week with a spouse or a boyfriend, girlfriend, or the kids, Let's say three times a week, it's $200 or whatever by the time you account for like a couple of kids. You go out to brunch, a couple of dinners. That's 200 bucks a week times 52. That's $10,000 a lot of people spend every year, if not more, on restaurants. But there's no stigma attached to restaurants. Are you like addicted to restaurants because you really like to go to restaurants within your means? No, you just like, if you put it this way, hey, we don't perceive you it might spend $10,000 on restaurants this year. You might think, holy crap, that's that, a lot of right. money. That's absurd. But you know what? A, it's a free country. B, if it's within your means, it's within your means. I'm sure there's a lot of people who probably go to restaurants and spend over their means going to concerts and things like that. And they wind up not having a retirement account when they're older, right? Like, But that's that's your problem. That's that's, that's their, on you. That's their choice, and we're okay with with that. Which is where which is where I get frustrated with people trying to say, "Well, that's your choice, and that's fine." But I'm going to save you from this. Yeah, uh, Hugh, Hugh chimes in here. You can literally get addicted to anything, which is true. I myself have an addictive personality. I know this and take personal responsibility and steps to keep it in check. The government is not a personal babysitter. Unless physical harm can happen, the government should stay out. And I I think I agree with that. 651-646-8255. Hey, John. Hey, uh, guys. What did we do during Prohibition? We found alcohol. Yep. We Yeah, and when, when we prohibited it, 
Well, Judd found it. I wasn't alive yet, but yeah. Made that wasn't taxed. They're, mm-hmm. they're taxing marijuana. Marijuana is the largest cash crop in California, which is the fifth largest economy in the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, regulate, uh, uh, legalize it and regulate it. Let's let's uh, solve some of these money issues that we purportedly have in in our. Uh, uh, deficit yeah and john right. I, I think the underground just the illegal sports betting market in this country oh, i'm pretty sure absolutely. it's a it's, it's a top 15 or 20 market in the country and it's not being taxed so well, look 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 what they did you guys when they uh when they went after those offshore gambling houses yep you know i mean it it's the money always follow the money yeah john, thanks, thanks john. For the call, and and when do you have major major criminal problems when it's done underground, that's where you have massive problems. If I bring it above, if I bring sports gambling in this state above ground, guess what I start to do? I start to put the the people who are who are shady, who we talk about, out of business. See, I think there should still be a thumb breaking element to the legalization too. I think, like you know, we'll, well, you can get by on credit here at Canterbury Sportsbook, but if you don't pay up within a week, that's right, we're sending Becky start to go cracking, break your arm, you start cracking heads. <laughs> We're gonna go send Bill. Bill's gonna come in there with a ball peen hammer. I just make I, your life miserable. I just love people who are always trying to save people from themselves. You know, you can't. Well, you, th- now it's gone. <laughs> if you're gonna, if you're gonna bet that Yankees game now, you are in real trouble. Now your life is out of. Yeah. It's spun out of control. Give me a break. I mean, I want to be like, like I want to be respectful to. Brian's email. Brian, obviously, Brian's a smart guy and is a well thought out email. And I think we just disagree on what the role of government in that regard should be, which we don't talk about a lot on this show. But now that it kind of blends in, we're talking. But I about, guess my question to Brian is, where, where would you draw that line then? Well, for him, I think he would draw the line a lot sooner than we would draw the line. Sure, which, but which but, gets into your politics. But then it and, gets in. But then it gets into. So should we start to eliminate certain things? Should pull tabs go away? Should gambling? Because if that goes away, then guess what? Then, then a potential source of of cash that's going to be used to build things like schools and help out with people is going to be gone. Think now, of that. Whenever you lose a bet on, but when you make the mistake of betting Twins against Yankees, you know what? It's fifty dollars to education, baby. Yeah. Oh yeah. You are putting. So, you are burying schools to another you construction are, project on three ninety four. You, you are, help finance it. You are. You are killing school. You are hurting the children when you don't gamble <laughs> on pull tabs. When you don't go to Bunnies on a Friday night and play pull tabs, guess what you're doing? You're hurting the kids. It is your American and Minnesotan obligation to put that money down. Very less Fraser on Game Three mm. of the Western Conference Finals. That's right, Phil Mack. Uh, Dan Hayes covers the Twins for The Athletic. He'll join us when we come back. Uh, Jason Castro out for the year with meniscus surgery that was more aggressive than originally thought. Where's Miguel Sano at? I don't know. I, maybe I was the only investigative journalist there. We'll or Golden Corral. I think they've taken over. Bill Mackey, Judd Zolgad. How long did the show last? More than seven hours. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, with a man who's in the clubhouse covering the team every day. Beat writer for The Athletic, Dan Hayes. Courtesy of Prime Mortgage Lending of Bloomington. Home is where your story begins. All right, let's get our guy in here from TheAthletic.com slash twins. Dan Hayes. So Jason Castro can't really hit, but I got to think that the gap between him and Mitch Garver 
Uh, just as a guy who a, a calming influence to pitchers, pitch framing tends to get overblown a little bit, but that's a big loss out for the season, don't you think? I, I think it is. I think it's great that they have Bobby Wilson because I think that there are probably a lot of similarities in that regard on between those two. And so at least they have a veteran to step in. And uh, Wilson's probably going to provide similar offense. They're neither here, Castro, or big bat guys, but but he can be a common influence. He actually, I, I talked to him today before we even heard the news. Obviously, he hit the home run last night, um, and and he was just talking about the fact that one of the reasons why he came here was because as a veteran pitching staff, and he kind of figured that that would be a, a potential spot for him, a good fit for him to be, as he described, a veteran, an older guy, a journeyman, whatever you want to call me. You know, I can fit in with that pitching staff if I get the opportunity. And, and clearly now he will. And I think that they're going to have to mix and match between the two for the time being and see how it works. And, and if this is a team that, you know, does stick around in contention and it's not working, then you maybe address it at a later point. But at least for now, I think they're fortunate to have Bobby Wilson. The rest of their depth beyond that is a little questionable, you know, as far as major league service time. So that might be something we see them address in the, uh, the interim here is, is get somebody, another, Bobby Wilson type in this system just to have in case something happens. Hey Dan, in your mind, uh, where, where is Garver at as a catcher? Because he, he can hit, and I, I know he's got a, a decent arm, but just as far as receiving ability and working with a pitching staff, uh, how far along is, is he at the tender age, if I'm not mistaken, of 27, which is certainly not a young guy? No, he's, he's definitely not a young guy. I think on the uh, game calling, I think that they like what he's done. In fact, I talked to him about it maybe two days ago, and he said that uh, Garvin Olsen talked to him after the game the other day and, and said, hey, you know, as far as where we are on, on going with pitches and what, what to use, everything you called was exactly what I was thinking. So I, I think that he's still very young, and and – He's in a teaching mode. They're going to have to, like, they're, they're looking to offer him positive reinforcement because that's just where he is as far as experience. And so you know that it's going to take a while with him. As, but I think they are confident in that. I think that the bat, if he can do what he's done, um, he's had some really key hits for them. That helps. On the receiving end, they continue to work with him. And that's, you know, we've seen some pass balls, some wild pitches with him and where he'll, he'll try to backhand it and, and should try and instead drop down. You see it. It's growing pains. But I think that they figure between the two of them that there's enough to at least go forward and try this and, and you know, address later on. And I do think that Wilson plays a big role here because you can have him reasonably step in and, and handle the pitching staff and give you know, Garver kind of that room to grow on days in between. Uh, Dan Hayes from The Athletic, theathletic.com slash twins, if you want to read his stuff. Now, uh, I uh, did my own investigative journalism yesterday, Dan. I showed up. I, I dressed up as a groundskeeper, actually, but I watched the Miguel Snow workout, and it didn't seem to me anyways like he was running anywhere near 100%. I don't know if I, – I, what are your insights on it? it? He's either still hurt, mildly disinterested, or just not giving full effort in some of these drills, from what I could tell, and reading Molitor's quotes from a couple of days ago kind of validated it. But what what's the word about Miguel Sano right now? I, I think he's still hurt, and it's funny. It was a diagnosis, a grade one, which is supposed to be the least, you know, when it comes to hamstring strains. But clearly, it's bothering him, and, and he's 
the workouts in, you know, the fact that he showed up in Anaheim was very surprising because when I, I didn't go to St. Louis, but when we left Chicago, there was really no chance he was joining the team at all on that road trip. And so then we all arrived in Anaheim and what do you know? We look over and there's Miguel Snow and it was very surprising just given the way Paul Molitor was talking in Chicago. And so it makes you think maybe he's a little closer, but it just doesn't seem like it's all that close right now. Um, I, I think he's still bothered. I just doing routine workouts was something that was still getting to him. And, and so that tells me he's still a little bit away. Um, but the fact that he wanted to get out there to Anaheim, that the team wanted him with them, I think that's a really encouraging sign because they figured it was good for him to be around the team again rather than just doing individual workouts. Also might say they wanted to keep him from getting disinterested. Um, but for him to be out there, you know, he paid his own way for the flight too. So uh, it was it was really, uh, it said a lot. And that was a joke, by the way. <laughs> I figured it was. Um Barrios' first four starts, Dan, was fantastic. The next four were not good at all. Last night, the, the curveball was back. What's your theory about this? And and do you look at last night's game and say he has found the curveball again? Or, or is this sort of a hold-your-breath thing from game to game or a sequence of starts where it will be effective and good, and then there's going to be a sequence where it's not, where it's off? I, I think he really maybe got out of it just, Mentally, after after Puerto Rico, he referenced it last night, saying that he wasn't quite himself and he wasn't satisfied where he was mentally. You wonder what kind of toll just being in, in Puerto Rico and pitching there took on him a little bit. You know, he had a couple bad starts right off the bat after it. Just got out of rhythm. I, I'm not going to declare anybody uh, fixed when I, the Cardinals, the lineup is solid, but, I'm, I, you know, it, it's... It's got a lot of guys struggling in the middle of it right now. Uh, you look at the lineup and I'm looking at it today, and, and there's two guys hitting under 200 who are key contributors in the middle of this lineup. And so I don't want to say he's totally fixed, but it was very encouraging because the depth was there to that curveball last night. The swings and misses were there. He was getting called strikes with this fastball. He looked a lot like himself, and he pitched into the eighth inning. Um, it, was, it was a really good start to think he can get back on track. Um, I don't know that 29 strikeouts to one walk those first four starts is anything anybody can sustain over a year, but he's certainly not the guy that walked eight and struck out 11 in the, the four in between. So what he really has to do is find a way to be more consistent when he's off. And I thought his last start in Anaheim was good because he struggled early and then he found a way to get them into the sixth. He gave up the fifth run, but that was the bullpen giving up that inherited run after he left. Um, I, I think that what he needs to do is figure out how to manage and get through where when he's off, he gives up a max of four over six or seven innings. And I think he's getting there, but it's still a 23-year-old who's still finding his way, and we see growing pains from him. And I, you, At some point, it's got to turn, and it's got to be consistent all the time. I think he's getting there. Um, last night was a good start. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know a lot about Lance Lynn other than just like watching him pitch for five years from afar, but he seems miserable. Like he, 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 there was those quotes in the St. Louis newspaper from a week or two ago where he's just uh, lamenting the whole free agency process. And what, what's your what's your read on him? He's pitching today. He's been better lately, but he's a guy who could have gone back to St. Louis for like four million more dollars if he he and his agent had a better read on the free agent market. Now he just looks miserable. Uh, well, it's funny because I've I've talked to one. Hmm. 
think we lost Dan there. I think Lance Lynn. I really people, want really want to hear that. Lance too. Lynn's folks might have uh, <laughs> intercepted that call. Hmm. He's at the ballpark. They could have gotten to him. That was a Lance Lynn uh, fastball down and away that just kept kept going to the backstop. Uh, Dan, we got you back. Okay, yeah. All right, Sorry we didn't that, we, we didn't hear any of your answer, but we're waiting for it. <laughs> no problem. Uh, no, what I was saying was it's funny because I, I spoke to one of the St. Louis reporters, uh, Derek Gold, who, who's very close to him, and spent part of yesterday with him. And and the truth is, he loves it here. As far as the city, it's just been a really rough month for him. Um, and and he's been very frank about it. A lot of lot of uh, unprincipled words, except at the Athletic, um, where you can subscribe for three ninety nine a month. Um, <laughs> and you print yeah, everything. We can print them all. Uh, but he, he mentioned, you know, I think he feels like he's just had this dark cloud kind of falling him around so far. And so last time out was good for him. Um, it's a big one today against his former team, and there's going to be a lot that goes into it. So it's going to be interesting to see. But talking to a couple scouts. They don't think maybe necessarily that his changeup has been as good as it is in the past. So the word I heard was a lot firmer than it's been. And, you know, he, he's just run into some issues where the, the, the Justin Upton home run in, in Anaheim was a, a perfect example of a guy gets a ball up on the outside edge and, and drives out to right. And there's not a lot of right-handers that are going to do that, but Upton did. And he, I, you can understand why he's a little – upset i mean the the free agent process did suck i think he thought he was gonna end up i think he found that he ended up in a spot that he he likes but i think he obviously thought he's gonna get a bigger payday and and he was out there the whole time and you know caught in a, a free agent market that really that was a very unique market and i think you could say the same thing for the other guys that were in it cobb and and arietta and so I'm, I, all these guys have, are dealing with some weird stuff, and then it has transferred over to the field. So it'll be interesting to see how it comes around from this because he has felt like things are turning for him. But at the same time, I, I think he could use a stretch where he just goes out there three times in a row and doesn't have to say, man, I got a bad break. I, I think he really would like to get away from that. So Buxton bunts last night, Dan, and we see him fly down to first base, and the pitcher picks up the ball, and rightfully so, goes into a blind panic and throws the ball down the right field line, and a run scores. And my favorite part of that whole thing is post-game Buxton says, you know what, my toe still hurts. <laughs> when, when Byron Buxton, when you see him run, I thought, my God, one, I don't think he's, he's lying about this. I think he's telling the truth. And if that's how he runs when his toe is throbbing and, and hurts, that is a yeah. scary thought. It is. I mean, it, it's just those are the moments that you understand why they so desperately wanted him back on the field because yep. he brings something that you can't teach. He just has that speed element. And, and when he can bring it into play, it can affect the game. And, and that absolutely I means the, the, the go-ahead run scores in that play and then Wilson hits a home run and breaks it open and uh, – for him to be out there is at 80% or 90% or whatever he is, is more effective than for him to not be there. And, and Max Kepler did a great job filling in center field. I think they know that Kepler can be a guy that could step in for two weeks if they need him to. But they're so much better when it's the, the 1A outfield that they're playing today and last night. And, and Buxton demonstrates it. And, you know, give him two weeks to get his bat back because he didn't hit for a month and to step in. And, and just expect it would be would be tough, but I, I think that there's signs there. I like this first at bat where he hit a hard liner to right field. I know that's 
when he feels that when he's going well, he's making contact and going the opposite way. And so give him a few days to get the timing down. But if he can, you know, put a ball in play like that, he can change a game. And, and that is more valuable to them than not. Hey, last thing for you. We, we kicked this around a couple hours ago on the show. Uh, and Judd and I disagreed on how the Twins should feel about their first six weeks here. If I would have told you, let's say you're Paul Molitor, and I would have told you in the middle of February, you're going to have by May 15th five or six walk-off losses. You're going to have key injuries to Irvin Santana, who won't have pitched yet. Miguel Sano, who will miss like three weeks. Buxton will have barely played. And Jason Castro will have missed time, be out for the year. Lance Lynn, career worst start. Jorge Polanco, 80 game suspension. But you'll only be two games below 500 on May 15th and a half game back of the Indians. You can take that or take your chances on door number two. What would you have said? I think that it's remarkable that they're in the position that they are despite all that. Honestly, it's. Uh... I, I've seen teams that the 2015 White Sox that folded under, you know, similar conditions. And, and so I think it says a lot about what this team has in its belief. And, and I think that that pretends to have a good summer ahead because they've pretty much been to the dark edge here and, and they're, they're still standing. And it's, uh, it's a great thing about what they can, can do, I think, if they can get full strength. Now, that's the, the question. Can they get back to full strength? When is Miguel Snow going to be here? Teams can withstand it for a while. It's just how long can you continue to withstand it? And there is a lot of belief in this group. I mean, Dozier hasn't he, – he performed well the first week or two, and he'd been a little bit MIA there for a while. I think he had like a three for 34 stretch. I mean, they've, they've dealt with everything, and, and they're here. They're still standing. So yeah. I think that that's a good sign. Um, but they need to get some of these reinforcements back. So no coming back would be very helpful. Yeah. Great stuff. Thanks, Dan, Dan Hayes, go uh, subscribe and read his stuff. And, and John Krasinski, there's a bunch of great local writers at theathletic.com slash twins for Dan's stuff. We'll catch up next week, man. See you at the All right, guys. Thanks. All right, All right. bye. Um, let's, come, let's come back and talk a little more twins here. A couple things he said. I, I've also noticed something about their pitching. There might be a misconception about the Twins pitching. All right. We can talk about. And the Crafty Rogues are going to be in studio around 1230 today. Let's talk first about Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 Brooklyn Boulevard, where now that uh, the sun's shining a little bit, we're out of the we're out of the winter stuff that was leaking into April. And so maybe you've already made a trip or two up to the cabin. You've got uh, summer sports, baseball, maybe you got summer hockey leagues, whatever. Nothing like driving an SUV, a Toyota, a durable SUV, like a RAV4 that has the spaciousness of an SUV, but also the handling and the feel of like a Camry or a Corolla. Great gas mileage for an SUV as well. Well, right now at my favorite dealership and service department, you can get into $259 a month, a lease on one of those 2018 RAV4s, no money down. So you go in, you test drive it, uh, hopefully you like it. They'll handle the paperwork for you, and then you don't even have to put any money down. You can just make your first payment uh, whenever that bill comes in, and then you get to enjoy one of the best SUVs in the world. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, or you can go to the website, LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. With Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. <sighs> oh, hey, guys. <laughs> Mackey and Judd. You okay? Uh, on 1500 ESPN. Walk around Lake Minnetonka in support of finding answers to rare brain and spinal cord injuries. Head out to Excelsior Brewing Saturday, May 19th for the Walk Talk Connect 5K. Benefiting Courage Kenny Rehabilitation Center. Start at the brewery, walk the trails, then end back at Excelsior Brewing. 
for a post-race party complete with live music, raffles, and a Walk Talk Connect beer on tap crafted just for this event. For details and to register, head to 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events and this portion of Mackie and Judd is brought to you by Lakeview Pharmacy, now offering low-cost alternative to Viagra. Go to LakeviewPharmacy.com to learn more. 2-2. Ground ball up the middle. Adrianza behind the bag, and that will do it. Eighth save of the year for Rodney. And everyone's all worried about ah. Fernando Rodney. His ERA's back down to 307. Uh, he's got his uh, eighth save of the season. It's he's, a replay of last year. Yep, so far. It's a replay so far, yeah. Did, did you see, though, that, that your your uh, favorite base running shortstop, Adrianza, got picked off first base last I night did, in yeah. the third? Yeah. So that's he got. To, so Boy, he stopped at second base on Sunday in Anaheim and cost the Twins a run by doing that, and then he got on base with a single in the third inning last night and got proceeded to get picked yeah, off. Yeah, kind of a disaster. I think, so the Twins pitching staff, especially the bullpen, like that's been a problem for the first six weeks of the season. There's been, like, Lance Lynn's been really bad. And, um, like, Taylor Rogers has been really bad for the most part out of the bullpen. But I think the Twins have done a really good job weathering that storm and trimming the fat. Trimming the fat is the key phrase here. Something's not working, you're gone, right? John Curtis, you're gone. Well, Mm -hmm. Lance Lynn could stand to trim some fat, too. So I, I did some crunching here. Their pitching is in better shape, especially now that Fernando Romero is in the mix. Their pitching's in better shape than maybe we thought a couple weeks ago. So Jose Barrios, he's been up and down, but so far he's been, like, you'd take what he's given you over the nine starts. Like, it's been front-loaded and then bad and then really good last night, but you would take you would take he's the body of work. He's given you four fan- unbelievably good starts, yes. You would, you would take the Fantastic body of work. Fantastic starts, yeah. Uh, Odorizzi has been largely very good so far. Yep. Kyle Gibson, largely very good so far. Fernando Romero has been incredible so far. So those are four guys. You work, Lance Lynn, you're working on it. He's got a good track record. You're figuring it out. The bullpen... This is where the problem lies. They've had 47 innings devoted to nine pitchers who've given up a nine-plus ERA collectively, but they've trimmed most of those guys off. So if you take Taylor Rogers, Phil Hughes I'm putting in this group, even though he was, made two starts, Tyler Duffy, Gabriel Moya, Alan Buznitz, Tyler Kinley, David Hale, John Curtis, and then the uh, one inning that Ryan LaMare threw, <laughs> you're going to count him too, that's 47 innings and 49 runs. And they've basically just said for most of those guys, all right, you're gone. Sorry. Yeah. You, you don't get another chance for now. You're gone. Uh-huh. You're punished. But they've settled in on you know Rodney, obviously. Ryan Presley's been incredible so far. Addison Reed has been really good so far. Hildenberger has figured it out finally. Zach Duke's been shaky, but Zach Duke also has like, his ERA is just a touch over four. It's, it's, it's definitely settled in. And uh, Matt McGill has been really good in 10 innings so far. So I, I think they've kind of settled on like five or six solid relievers here. I think if you crunch it um, more than that even, if you look during the course of their 8-5 and five start, the bullpen was pretty good. And then they went into that, that stretch that, that we talked about before, which was they lost 10 of 11 and the bullpen was just awful. And so that's the Tampa Bay Yankees-Reds series that went into Toronto and then they lost the first two to Toronto and Romero came up and won that last game and it changed from from there. So yeah, I think it, it was during that essentially what would that be? Eleven to twelve game stretch and two week stretch where the bullpen really, yeah. really struggled. Well put it this way, if my math is right, they have a staff ERA of four forty right now. Mm-hmm. 
if you t- and I get that it's not just this easy, but if you take those pitchers away and then take their innings away, let's just take away the forty-seven innings and forty-nine runs of the guys I just went down. That cesspool. Their their staff ERA goes from four forty to three sixty, which is awesome. Like that's an awesome staff ERA. So if you just trim the fat and identify the guys, which they've been doing quickly, they've been churning through. Tyler Kinley, sorry dude, not going to work. You're gone. Uh, and that was John weird. Curtis, sorry dude, not going to work. You're gone for yeah. now. Go go back to yeah, AAA. just take guys out. Yeah. So that's that's been the big difference. And if their so start and if their starters are halfway decent, I think they're fine. If you can go, if you can go quality start, good start into let's say the sixth. And then you're going to go read, and some some people don't like Duke. I think Duke's okay. He's not a disaster. I think if you can go Duke, Reed, situational possibly mixed in there, Fernando, you're okay. It's when you've got to go deeper down. It's when you got to go. Well, Fernando Rodney. But you know what? Fernando Rodney, one, two, three, last night, Patrick Royce, massively disappointed because it was no fun. It was no fun to watch a pitch last night. It was very efficient. It was way too quick. It's funny how many people You didn't freak, have the hair on fire. People just freaked out after his April. Just like as if they've that this dude's been in the league for like fifteen years. And this is pretty much who he's been. Like Especially you know you exactly what you're signing up for. Two thousand seventeen April, which was the exact same thing. Yeah, he uh let me see here, just for fun, before we get to some questions. And then I know that you have a, a thought on Buxton. Let's we'll do that in the noon hour too. But uh we can do that before the crafty rogues come in. So, so Fernando Rodney hasn't given up an earned run since April twenty sixth. He's had yeah, he's now. Been, there's been some where he came in. He's actually, you know what? He's only given up two hits oh, since April twenty sixth. He's been incredibly efficient. That's who he is. You all wanted him off the off the wagon. He's been really good. In it's the fun when he comes in and walks the guy, gives up a hit, get a couple guys on, and then gets out of it. All right, Dave. What's questions got for us next? We're going to ask you about the big announcement from the Vikings officially today. Talk about drinking and answer the question that has been taking over the internet about the last 48 hours. Oh, my God. Okay.